opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McAllen. Ann Chapetta is an ACB member, and she impacts the lives of our military as a readjustment counseling therapist with the Department of Veterans Affairs, and is also a successful writer of short fiction, articles, and poems, and her articles that speak out for the visually impaired, as several print and online publications. Anne is here to inspire and motivate us and tell us about her work with the VA and her successful written works. Welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here. Let's learn more about you. You're an ACB member. We know that the American Council of the Blind is the most significant organization representing the blind and visually impaired around the globe. What motivated you to join ACB? What motivated me was to be connected with more people who are blind or visually impaired. I work on all levels with ACB. I, uh, I'm the current vice president of our local chapter. I run the ACB of New York affiliate newsletter. And I also try to help the PR committee at the national level with, um, you know, with writing and, and just getting the word out. Hey, you and me are both ACB members, and we try to help people through working with the organization. You say that you lost your vision in 1993. How did you become blind? I suffer from retinitis pigmentosa. Unfortunately, it was not fully developed until I was in my 20s. I was always visually impaired. I wore thick glasses but it didn't um, actually become significant until after I got married and had my first child. After you lost your vision, you moved from designing acrylic furniture and displays to work for our veterans and become a poet and author. Before we get into your literary work, let's talk about your work as a readjustment and trauma counselor for combat families and vets. What do you do in this role? I work for um, a vet center, which is part of the VA, but we're like a mental health clinic. I, uh, I'm a master's level family therapist, so I help combat vets and their families with readjustment issues and uh, things like post-traumatic stress and how it affects the family and the veterans so they can live a more productive life. You're also a guide dog handler and an advocate. Sounds like you speak out to represent guide dog users and visually impaired people on many local, state, and national boards of directors. You also visit the schools to promote equality and awareness for people with disabilities and to speak to the kids about that. That's a lot of activities that you're doing to help improve society. What's your motivation and goals? Well, that's that's a multi, multi-part answer question. Um, uh, you know, I started a lot of my advocacy because I became a guide dog user and I'm a lifetime member of GDUI. Going out and speaking in public about people with disabilities became something that I did when I got my first job after after getting my master's degree. I worked for an independent living center and uh, we were asked to go and um, 
try to see what it was like to visit the schools and educate the kids so that the kids could probably help educate everybody else, like their parents and aunts and uncles and other brothers and sisters. And over time, I realized it works. If you go into kindergarten kids and you tell them something about people with disabilities, they will remember and they will bring it home and they'll tell their parents. And it, that's that's the best word of mouth and, and make an impactful statement for kids. It, they remember. So, yep. Let's get into your passions as an author and poet. Your major book published by the CreateSpace independent publishing platform is called Upwelling Poems. It's a book of poems, basically. What subjects do the poems of the book cover? The subjects are covered. They're, they're um, everything from marriage to um, grief and loss, losing a parent, uh, watching my daughter grow up and realizing she's she's not a child anymore. The big bad world is out there. Um, I write about my first guide dog and the level of independence and trust and bond we have. I write about my dad and 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 fearing uh, losing him and wanting him to know who I who I am. I, you know, it's a lot about just life. The subjects in the book include death, a disturbing dream, and yes, guide dogs. You've also got your intriguing memories, mysteries, and marriage. We want to know more about some of your poems and the stories behind your art. I wrote the book originally um, as a dedication to my mom. And my mom um, was always very supportive of anything that we did creatively. My older sister is a musician. My other uh, sisters are also very creative and, and, and nurturing people. And uh, when I decided I wanted to start sharing my poetry and my writing, my mom was my, my, um, my first fan. And then after mom died, we found all of mom's writing. We had no idea. She was such a prolific and, and sensitive poet. And, uh, when I got back from, um, putting mom to rest, I decided, uh, I want to actually publish my poetry. What am I waiting for? Why am I, why am I not doing this? So that's, that's what happened. Six months after mom died, my poetry book was out and it's dedicated to her. So that's what started this whole thing. <laughs> Two of your poems, Verona and In These Dark Moments, refer to a special friend. Who's that friend? Verona is my first guide dog. She's fully retired now. She's 11 years old. Uh, I wrote those poems because I wanted a way to, to express the power of having an animal change my life in such a dramatic and and in a meaningful way. Verona, uh, when I got Verona, I, um, I had had a, a very serious vision loss. I, I lost about 60% of my vision in six months. So to trust, be able to trust this dog and lead me out of the darkness in, in a, I guess, in a symbolic way was the thrust behind both of those poems. I'm so happy that I made the decision to take a chance on getting a dog because it really changed my life. It's that unconditional love and loyalty that uh, just surpasses anything I think humans can understand uh, 
you have to open your heart to it too. You have to be completely uh, open because if you hold back at all, a dog will know. So the two poems are tributes to your beloved guide dog. Tell us more about your guide dog. <clears throat> well, first, I think it wasn't easy to do. It took a long time for me to be able to trust that a dog could actually do the things that they did for me. I, and to this day, I'm still amazed. I'm on my second guide dog. You know, he does things sometimes that I'm shot. You know, I'm like, wow, you, you, you really did that. <laughs> you know, you know, just, uh, I don't know. You know, sometimes I just, I'm like, wow, you know, uh, amazing things. I mean, he, you know, uh, one time he, stopped in the hallway in front of my uh office door and he wouldn't go forward and I couldn't find anything there was nothing on the floor there was nothing in front of me or whatever and then finally I decided well maybe I should put my hand above my head and see if something is there and there was a a, a fiber optic line that came out of the ceiling and was dropped like kind of like above my head and he saw that and well let me go past it I said how smart is that it's pretty smart those kinds of things happen, and I, I'm I feel grateful every day. And he's also my co-therapist, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and you've gotten some very nice reviews on your Upwelling Poems book. Linda Lambert from the American Foundation for the Blind says that the book is quote a breath, an intonation expresses a desire to act end quote. Explain her review in further detail to our listeners. She quotes my uh, my opening poem called Line by Line. And the poem is actually a, a little snippet of what it's like to sit in front of the computer and create something in written word. You know, it's it starts with a word. Well, actually, it starts with a blank page or a blank computer screen and then one character at a time one word at a time, one line, one thought, and it all creates something in the end um, that's meaningful. So that's what that's about. Another poem's called Appearances. The poem doesn't refer to how a person's face might look to other people, but this entry gives reflections of adjusting to blindness. Talk about these reflections. It's when you have a progressive retinal disease like I do, you're always grieving what you've lost. And that's kind of what that, that poem attempts to, uh, to capture is that, you know, one time I could see this and then a month or two later, I, I can't see that. And what I grieve the most in terms of my vision loss, what I can't see anymore. You know, it's very difficult to make an adjustment in, you know, emotionally. And that's what that poem is about. So this is a very interesting story. We want to hear more about your motivation for writing and publishing writings. There are four additional poems that deal with the death and illness of others and your enduring grief with that. They're called Helium, Root Cellar, The Marriage Pot, and None the Wiser. What are the messages for readers in these poems in relation to dealing with grief? Well, <clears throat> first, I, None the Wiser. I mentioned that before, um, just before it was written, uh, I was trying to capture the lost innocence, um, being a parent growing up and watching your child 
go from, you know, all these different developmental stages. And then one day you realize, oh boy, you know, um, Santa Claus is, they know Santa Claus isn't real anymore <laughs> or, um, or, um, or, or it was something even more serious that, wow, we lost grandpa. What's that like for a seven-year-old to grieve? So that's kind of what that that's about. I tried to make it less serious than, you know, like, you know, just what a kid would say about, about the, the, the big bad world. Oh, one day a shark will get you, you know, it's a, um, it's a juxtaposition or some symbolic of, you know, the world's a world's a place. You got to be careful. You got to, you know, it's not, it's not, um, 1950s, uh, you know, bubble gum and, uh, skateboards anymore, you know? So that's what that's about. <laughs> um, and my daughter was actually shocked. I put it in the collection. So, but I think she's over that. <laughs> uh, um, helium is about just wanting to be able to drop away all the worry and fear and pain and just be free. You know, like a helium balloon, just be lighter than air and just waft away for a little while, get some release. Um, I really like that poem um, because I, I think it's it, it it's um, the probably one of the more esoteric poems, you know, meaning it's it's you have to, you know, it, it'll mean something different to each person who reads it. It doesn't have a uh, a very grounded theme. It just means means whatever you want it to mean. Oh, well, the marriage spot is for my husband. And I wrote that for our anniversary one year. Um, as my way of letting him know how much I love him. My husband pretty much uh, rode the wave of uh, learning that I was going to go blind with me. He was very supportive and he helped me through everything in our marriage. We've been married 27 years now. So um, so he went through just as much grief and loss in his own way that I did. So, um, So the marriage pod is actually about, you know, about getting married and going through those marriage pains. And then um, I used the spaghetti pot that we bought when we first moved in together as a symbol of our, our fidelity, um, our strength in our marriage um, and, and, and how our marriage has come through. Um, it may not look pretty. It may not, you know, we may have a lot of dents and dings and it may be a little rusty on the bottom, but Hey, we're, we're still here and we still love each other. So that's, what the marriage pot is about. Um, and we still have the pot. I cook in it all the time. So <laughs> I think if it would break, I would, I would have to go get it fixed. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, Do you have any- so the last one root cellar, um, it's also about my dad, um, and about how I always at some level felt that I, I let him down. Um, and, uh, and in in it's also about um, it's about being molested as a, as a kid, um, and uh, somehow I felt that I let him down by not um, listening to him by not you know he always said the guy that tried to do what he did to me was would not to go over his house you know and uh, I didn't listen and it almost happened and. So it's kind of like an apology to dad. Like you were right. I should have listened. 
but uh, so that those kinds of things can happen um, in relationships, you know, whether it's that particular situation or um, or something else. And, um, you know, writing it out really helped me. It was very cathartic. What have other blind and visually impaired readers said about your poems and book? How have the written works changed their lives? Well, I have people tell me that um, I've, I've inspired them to maybe do something or take a chance on something they hadn't done until they read an article or an essay. Um so that's uh, when I hear that, that's that's just makes my heart so happy. Um, you know, I really just want people to understand that, you know, they're not alone. And maybe if they can read something that I've written that resonates with them, that makes them feel better in some way or, ha- you know, lets them overcome something that they've been struggling with, then that's that's what it's that's that would be the best thing in the world. That's very good. You also have another book called Follow Your Dog. Amazon says that in the book, you explain what it means to share a person's life with a guide dog. What does it truly mean to share a person's life with a seeing eye dog? Oh, what does it truly mean? It's, it's an ultimate form of trust. It is, uh, it's something that I think people would not understand unless they also did the same thing. Um, so those people can sympathize, but maybe not empathize with, with the, the level of, of um, the level of trust. And, you know, I'm still discovering that, you know, what that means to me. Uh, but it means, it means um, like a constant companion and loyalty. Um, it means, um, you know, you're, you're connected with the dog. The dog's connected with you. He depends on you. You depend on him. What you put into him, he gives to you. So, and, and, it's, and, it, and it's in terms of what it teaches a person, I've learned to be more disciplined um, with a lot of things in my life, not just about my dog's um, training and behavior and care. I've learned to think outside of myself and to, to another's needs. I mean, yeah, I'm a parent too, but, um, you know, my kids are in their twenties now. So, um, I kind of had to rediscover that in myself when I got my first dog, cause both of my kids were growing up. Uh, it, it means to be able to break the boundaries of, 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 of fear, uh, you know, not being afraid to do things that, that you were afraid to do before you got a dog that maybe you weren't confident with when you had your white cane, um, you know, and, uh, and then also, you know, uh, having boundaries with people because people are going to want to pet your dog and talk to your dog and, you know, you're out in public. And so that's also, you know, speaking up for yourself and advocating all of those things are wrapped up in training with the dog. You also have a website called Thought Wheel. It's at www.thoughtwheel, thought-wheel, www.thought-wheel.com. 
The site features a whole collection of your short writings. What was your inspiration for starting the site? That is my blog site. Uh, and um, I probably post about twice a month on the blog. It has like five or six years worth of writing in it. So It sounds like a great way to share your works and touch other people. We're going to put up that address on the Speaking Out for the Blind website later so that our listeners can check it out. Okay, I have a, um, I have a, uh, well, I just had a book signing at Guiding Eyes for the Blind in December, and that went very well, even though it snowed. Um, January, I didn't have anything because uh, um, I was ill for a couple of weeks, um, and then the holidays as well. Um, I did have a radio interview um, with Disability in Progress uh, in Minnesota, uh, and I'm trying to get the recording now to put up on my, um, on my website, my personal website and chapetta.com. Uh, and I have a local book signing planned in March in Yonkers, um, but I haven't firmed the date yet. And you are an inspiration to us all. And we hope that our listeners will check out your books. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. It was great to be here. Before we go, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website at speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org, and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash the dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Listen to Eyes on Success for information about products, services, and daily living tips for people with visual impairments. We cover everything from the latest advances in adaptive technology to discussions of various jobs, sports, and hobbies. Eyes on Success is aired on ACB Radio Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern and repeated every two hours until 8 p.m. Thursday. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. We, we hope, hope you'll join us. The American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living. 
so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at ttobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at acb.org, or by phone at 800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs. ACB Radio. Thursday night at 9 p.m. on ACB Radio Interactive, it's Global Beat with Anne Sylvia. I know you're never going to believe this, but before I started listening, I was kind of a pathetic sad sack. The thing you really learn from Anne's show is the pronunciation of a lot of international words. Switch, switch, squish. We're going to switch, switch gears right now, but before that. So, as Anne always likes to say. Yeah, well, that came out at 63. Yeah. If you enjoy spending an evening listening to a wide variety of music, including classic jazz, salsa, reggae, Hawaiian, Brazilian jazz, plus much, much more, tune into Global Beat every Thursday from 9 to midnight Eastern, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific. And don't forget to catch Global Beat on demand at www.acbradio.org slash Global Beat. So, if you're kind of a pathetic sad sack, maybe you should be listening. That's every Thursday night from 9 to midnight Eastern on ACB Radio Interactive. Hi everyone, this is Rick Morin, the host of Rick's Picks. Here on ACB Radio Interactive every Wednesday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, Wednesday, of course, is midweek, and 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. is about as midday of the midweek as you could possibly get. So it's all downhill from here. Hey, every week we're going to play music that's kind of easy on the ears, music that you can listen to the lyrics to and enjoy them. A lot of adult contemporary music. I like to play show tunes and, oh, all kinds of cool stuff, interviews. And I surprise you every now and then with some little ditties that I'll pick up here and there. So why don't you tune in? And if you can't listen to the show live, you can listen to it on demand now on acbradio.org slash R-P-I-C-K-S. That's acbradio.org slash R-Picks.